Welcome back. Jen Amos here, your host for Generic Conversations. I feel like it's really important to ask this question more so than ever. How's it going? Seriously, how's it going? I know that a lot of us have sort of settled in to the new normal, but even so, it still feels unpredictable and a lot of us really don't know what tomorrow will bring. So I thought I'd ask. How are you doing? How are you really doing? If you want to connect with me and tell me how you're really feeling, find me on social media. You can just visit my website, genericpodcast.com. Remember, generic is spelt with a J, not a G. J as in Jen, as in Generic Conversations, the show, genericpodcast.com. And on my website, you will see all of my social media links on there. Would love to connect with you and hear from you. Also on that note, I want to take this opportunity to continue to normalize the conversation around mental health, which, you know, today's conversation will really touch upon that. But if your initial assumption about mental health is that it's expensive or it's inaccessible, let me recommend a free resource for you. If you need someone to talk to, Seven Cups connects you to caring, trained listeners for free and they provide you emotional support. A little background on Seven Cups. We live in a world where you can be surrounded by people, but still feel lonely, with no one to turn to when things get rough. But being heard is an important part of being human. Psychologist Glenn Moriarty saw that there was a great power in listening, but he knew that not everyone had someone to talk to. He started to wonder, how can I make being heard a reality for everyone? Hence, Seven Cups was created. I know for myself personally, I love talking to my friends and family about my life, about what I'm going through. At the same time, I understand that healthy boundaries are important and I cannot expect my friends and family to be professional therapists for me or to always listen to me. You know, that's okay. They have their own lives as well. And so I like to add Seven Cups to my network as support to talk further about my personal issues, such as my relationships, my health habits, and my professional goals. If you wanna learn more about Seven Cups, which again, is absolutely free, check out the show notes of this episode or learn more by visiting genericpodcast.com. So if you have been following my show at this point, you know that I have been working on a mastermind group for some time now. And great news, I am starting to test out my new coaching method, for my mastermind group, the generic mastermind. And so listen up, if you are starting a new project or a business and you're overwhelmed with how to get started or you're struggling to keep up in an environment that feels like it's constantly changing, then do I have a strategy for you? I'm currently seeking out five to 10 brave and overwhelmed souls who are looking to get organized with or reorganize their priorities. Since this is new and I'm testing it out for the first time, I am offering a free 30-minute consultation. So if this sounds interesting to you, if you are looking to get organized or reorganize your priorities and really adapt to today's times and how it, it just seems like it's constantly changing, 
consider signing up for that free 30-minute consultation. You can learn more in the show notes of this episode or visit my website, genericpodcast.com. Well, thank you so much for listening to my announcements. I'm really excited to get into today's conversation. 10 years later, I have the fortune of catching up with an old college friend of mine that I met at a public relations conference. And so her name is Elena Cook. This conversation will have you thinking about branding and how marketing should be looked at as a vessel, how to work through depression and work fatigue, and respecting incrementalism and humanizing success. Lene, it was a pleasure catching up with you 10 plus years later. And to our listeners, please enjoy this conversation with my old friend, Lene Cook. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Generic Conversations, where I'm very fortunate to have candid conversations with amazing individuals that I hope will have you say, I needed this. I'm Jen Amos, your show host, and I'm really excited today. Normally, I do these shows with all sorts of people, but to really chat with someone from my past, which was, I think, at this point over a decade ago, I'm really excited to just dive into that and really learn about where she's been in all this time and you know what she's up to today. So let me bring on Lene Cook. Lene, welcome to the show. Hi, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. What a fun, like, glowing introduction. And <laughs> In my mind, it has not been a decade, but I guess that's how time works. It's like fast and slow at the same time. Oh my um, gosh, it's yeah, crazy. It has, yeah, we're almost at that point, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have more. Other people have had more. It'll be fine. Oh my gosh. So for our listeners that are learning about our history, we both were in public relations. And my mindset at the time is that I thought I was going to end up in public relations. I thought I was going to pick up like a traditional job and, you know, maybe work 12 to 13 hours a day for some big agency or PR firm or whatever. And my life took a big turn. (laughs) I ended up not doing that. I actually ended up starting my own social media marketing agency for about six years until I met my husband and now I work with him. I'm so glad that we are still on Facebook. We're still Facebook friends because I started Facebook when I was in college. So I kind of want to hear a little bit about your perspective and did you end up using your degree? (laughs) There's a really cool quote from Timothy Morton that I'm totally going to butcher, but the short of it, and he's an ecologist and I'm like a big ecology fan, where he talks about like how everything that you have ever like lived through has also prepared you for new ideas or whatever. So like your new ideas and your decisions aren't coming from out of the blue. It's like this quiet culmination of things that are happening underneath. And Mm. it's funny because, you know, I think there's part of me that like thinks I know what I thought I was going to do in college, but then also it could totally be revisionist history because I have a tendency to be thinking a bunch of conflicting thoughts at once. And so it's Mm. totally true that I think part of me thought I would go work at a company, but I think that was always to me sort of like, oh yeah, that's always an option. Mm. But I've always kind of done my own thing and liked doing my own thing. And while I enjoy learning from working in a larger environment, I have never had any interest in like being committed to (laughs) to, like an organization. And so I actually started off school as a photojournalism major and then the economy crashed. And Mm. I switched to sociology because it was easy and fun. 
And I was like, okay, I need to be able to pull decent grades while still working full time to pay for college because my parents didn't pay for college and I didn't take out student loans. So I needed something that I didn't have to like be distracted from school by and that I could still get good grades to like keep the scholarship that I had. Mm. So yeah, it was a little bit stressful. And so sociology was sort of my safety net. But I think that minoring in PR and communications helped me so much. Um, Those two pair really well together because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who just don't understand people. And I think sociology helped me understand people a lot better and not in like a weird way of like, I understand people and how to like sell to them, which I could, but I've always taken the perspective that marketing should be like sort of just a vessel to do, in fact, what Ben and Jerry's does, right? Where Mm -hmm. you're doing branding by way of showing your values. And so I kind of carried that with me. But at the same time, I was always really like growing up, I was always really into creative pursuits. And so Mm -hmm. college to me was like, oh, I'm supposed to do this because who knows what I'll do with my life if I don't. Right. And then I did start a small social media agency when I was living in San Francisco. And I did that. And then I was pivoting to make it an influencer management company because I noticed a huge gap. Like I had a lot of friends that were influencers and Mm. didn't know how to monetize that well. And also, you know, I think brands behave better if they know a manager is involved because Mm. it feels more official. Whereas brands can often feel very loosey goosey, just going like, Hey, you should be happy. We're sending you stuff for free. Like maybe not so much now, but back Mm -hmm. in the day, certainly. And then I got recruited to do mostly photography and some social strategy for Starbucks. And so I folded my agency because I was like, you know what? Like pivoting a business model is hard. Yeah. I have always had respect for Starbucks as a kid in the 90s. Oh my God. I wanted to like, that was like one of my dream jobs was to work at Starbucks. Like that's how much it was a thing. (laughs) As a kid, I I remember telling my mom, or maybe it was my, this is a horrible thing to say, maybe it was my dad's girlfriend, who knows, but I was telling some woman in my life (laughs) as a child that I really wanted to work at Starbucks so I could pick the music and pick the art. And then Mm. what's crazy, I was a barista there for three years in high school and college. And then what's crazy is that when I was working with their social team, I ended up getting to work with the art and music departments. And the two women that head up those departments are still to this day, two of my closest friends. And like when I was living in Seattle, we spent holidays together and it's just very beautiful and serendipitous. Yeah. And then I guess, you know, that time has passed. I did more ad agency stuff. Well, I also, in that six-month contract, I realized that a corporate environment is not for me. And I noticed Mm -hmm. that all the fun work was going to agencies. So then I left and I went to agencies when that contract was up and I worked with Possible and they were great. And then I worked at Rational Interaction for a while. And that was really eye-opening at Possible. I was working on a lot of CPG brands. Mm -hmm. And then at Rational, I got to work on tech and I did the global social strategy for Acer for like a year and a half, I think. So I got to travel around going to esports stuff all around the world, which was amazing. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like it. Esports are like Esports are so, you know, there goes like waves of times that we hear about esports, mm-hmm. but I really think that more people need to pay attention to that. And I think that they have, but I think people still really sleep on the possibilities with Twitch and within esports environments. And just, it's truly one of the only things that I see as like purely international. And I say that because 
you find such different cultures in every country, like mm-hmm. esports events and for every game, right? Like mm-hmm. League of Legends games in the US or not games, but like content or what are they called? I don't know the word. I'm not like a sports person. So <laughs> what, what, good. some kind of contest, right? They're playing each other. I wish I, <laughs> wish I was better. There you go. Right. They are very different than the way that they behave, the fans and the, and even the culture in China is around it. Like when I was in mm-hmm. China for the League of Legends World Championships, like it was insane because along a body of water in Shanghai, I wish I also had better <laughs> words for that. that. That's okay. Just yeah. if you describe it, it's fine. We get, I'm like, we can, I'm not we can visualize good. it in our head. I'm not it's even fine. better at remembering like names of movies I like. So like, Lord knows, <laughs> I'm not going to remember. The you know, that one movie with that one character. Yeah, you know, you know. <laughs> I've always, I describe there's a movie Ryan Reynolds is in that has like <laughs> the name pines or trees or something in it. It's called like between the pines or between the trees. I can't remember, but it's the only movie that I find him attractive in. And so I'm always like, you have to see it. He's so hot. I don't know. Look up Ryan Reynolds between and like figure it out, like trees or something. So anyways, along this river in China during the League of Legends semifinals, And for context, there were two Chinese teams facing off against two Korean teams. Mm -hmm. And I've never seen this level of fandom for like, I call like, you know, real sports or major sports or whatever in the US, where buildings like business buildings that had zero anything to do with esports literally had RNG and the other teams like logos or, you know, just their like shortened names Mm -hmm. in huge letters, like lighting up because it's like, imagine like a glass building and then they lit up like the windows in the team's colors, spelling out the names. Mm -hmm. Like that's a wild thing. Like I've only seen that level of commitment and dedication after Kobe passed. Wow. In the US, right? Like we don't see a whole city, like you might see a billboard or whatever, but you don't see like a business building doing that. So that was really fascinating. And then I got to go to ones in Poland and that was way different too. And so <laughs> wow. I think that I learned a lot from that. And then, well, we're the same age. I just turned 31. Mm-hmm. And then I got laid off because the client went with a different agency strategy where they parsed the work that our agency had in between a bunch of agencies. I, oh, man. And I had not really been pleased at the job for a while. And I told my boss, who, to his credit, like was a very understanding person, and I'm very glad he listened to me and didn't judge me and still talks to me. But I told him, I said, look, when this client goes away... I would rather you lay me off than shuffle me around to a team or a position that doesn't make sense because there really wasn't any other client work that made sense for my skill set and my passions. Like they didn't really Mm -hmm. have any other clients that needed somebody like me on the accounts. Like they already had, they were staffed on anything I might've been interested in. Mm -hmm. And so I got very lucky and they laid me off. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. That's like the first time I heard someone like, like really want, like lay me off, please. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, please let me go. And they were so sweet. They actually kept me on until like the 2nd of January. So that way I would still have benefits for free for like January because had they let me go before the holidays, you know, I wouldn't have had benefits. Like if they would have let me go in mid December when we found out that the client was not renewing. Yeah. Like I would have had a week and a half of free benefits versus having the whole month of January. So mm. I got really lucky. And so I started doing thinking where I was like, okay, what do you actually want? Because when 
I would talk to the leadership team about what I wanted to do. I would get excited about some ideas that mm-hmm. should have been done to progress the agency. And then I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah, somebody should do it. But like, that's not what I'm spending the next three years of my life doing. Mm-hmm. And so I started to go like, okay, what are the things that you care about? Like, yes, I love working with brands. I have a few clients right now that I love dearly and they're wonderful people. And I get really excited about being challenged and mentally stimulated and getting to do impactful work. Mm -hmm. But none of that has to do with anything that I want. It's like stuff that I enjoy and it's fun to me. And so I realized like, okay, I've always been involved in activism to some degree. I started a podcast a few months before I left. So I already sort of had that. And then I've played music my whole life and I'd always really wanted to do acting. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'd done some acting before. And then I felt really, I don't know, growing up in LA. Wait, where did you go to high school? I was in San Diego. I'm not saying I was like born and raised there, but like when I was 10, that's when we moved there. And yeah, I, I like to tell people that I wasn't born in San Diego, but I was essentially raised there. Definitely. Where were you born? I'm a military child or I was a military child. So my dad, when he was stationed in Japan, that's where my brother and I were born. So yeah. And then we moved around every two to three years until we settled in San Diego when I was like 10. Very cool. That's awesome. You know what? And actually, as you were saying that, I just remembered, I think an important thing to point out during all this is that even though I liked my job, it really wore me down. And I ended up having really gnarly depression and really bad adrenal fatigue. Man. And so in tandem with while I was working, I'd started going to therapy. I started going to a naturopath and an acupuncturist and really figuring out how to not dread waking up every day and then cry myself to sleep every night. So (laughs) there came a point where I I used to have a really awesome spot in an artist loft building in Seattle with a gorgeous view of the sound. And one day I went out to my balcony and I looked out at what I knew was a gorgeous sunset and I felt nothing. And I was like, yeah, right. Exactly. Where you're like, okay, this isn't normal. Like, especially for me, for somebody like I'm I definitely get like more excited about a sunset than I do like things that normal people get excited about. Like yeah. <laughs> I definitely am somebody who will be like, we have to pull over. This is amazing. <laughs> so, so that's when I knew that something had to change and I'd gained weight and I wasn't happy with how I felt, you know, because I've always been really active. And so I started sort of slowly slipping into like, okay, you need to change because you're going to be happier with the decisions you make if you make good decisions to begin with. And right now you're Mm. not doing that. I feel like that was the moment my frontal lobe finished forming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I started like, I was like, okay, what are things that you like? And I started just making lists of like, what's actually important to me. And so then I started going for bike rides for like, probably like an hour every morning and just listening to podcasts. And I just made myself do stuff. Like I kind of turned into a robot where I was like, okay, you're just going to keep doing these things that you know are good for you until one day you like them again. Mm, (laughs) I started biking. I was making myself play because I've played music my whole life and I started playing drums and I started going to therapy. And I think the combination of therapy and naturopath, like seeing a really incredible naturopath helped a lot. And it was the first time like a doctor ever listened to me and she was Mm. like, okay, well then let's like, yeah, you're right. That's not normal that you're 27 and exhausted all the time and that you need like 10 cups of coffee to make it through the day. Yeah. Uh, 
And so I did all the stuff that she said and a lot of it, you know, might seem weird to some people. Like she definitely gave me supplements and she, she did like a blood panel for me and like all my iron was super low. And so she just gave me these really rad supplements that she prescribed. And then like, was like you, your heart chakra and your throat chakra, which is like your expression chakra are totally closed off. And she made me start doing meditations with like oming, which is Mm. like, I'm somebody that up until last year, I'd never even sang happy birthday out loud. Oh, wow. Because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to sound. Like, and I also won't yell or sing or anything at concerts. Like, I'm just quiet. Because I'm like, wow, I won't do it. And I feel bad because of like protests and marches and stuff. I love that people are like saying things, but it's so hard for me to like do that. And then it was a very, like, I almost cried one day because I went, I've been doing yoga since I was like 11. Uh huh. And I went to this really great yoga spot in Seattle called Seattle Yoga Arts. That's like very for real yoga because I'm not really into like power yoga or any of that. And this is very like they have, you know, they have like a shrine and like all that there. It's much more my jam. Mm-hmm. And they did an ohm. And without thinking, I did the ohm. And I was like, oh my God, we've broken a seal here. <laughs> like this is major. Major um, breakthrough. Totally. And I was so proud that I did it. And I continued to sit naturopath. And I really started to chip away and be able to identify like what it is that I want and just be more forgiving of myself because I do have a tendency to think that I can get so much done in every day and I'll really run myself into the ground. And so learning to go, okay, here's the list of stuff that you want to do and like what actually needs to be done. Yeah. So all of that sort of lined up really beautifully with also the property manager of the building that I lived in just got like gnarlier and gnarlier. I was trying to like push people out of the building so that they could get commercial tenants in instead of residential. Mm -hmm. And Seattle has no real tenant protection. So I had neighbors whose rents were getting raised from like 2,300 to like 6,000 a month. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Because in Seattle, you can do that, which is Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And so- you know, it's simmering in the back of my mind had been, okay, you want to be acting. What's stopping you really? Like I used to work in entertainment. I have a lot of friends in entertainment and I'm from LA. Like, right. Like, why am I acting like it's impossible or that it's like, or that somebody should just, what I really thought, I guess, was that because I went to high school with a lot of people who are some level of famous and I kind of grew up around people who were doing that and I have a lot of friends who are like that is that I really thought that somebody would just stop me on the street and go like you're weird and goofy you should come be on the stage (laughs) (laughs) right and then I saw my friends I think my friend Margot specifically who's modeled for a long time and then my friend Drew who has played guitar for forever I saw their careers continue to go really, really well. And Margot pivot from modeling to acting and how hard she was working on that. Mm -hmm. And I went like, oh, idiot. If you would have just stuck with the things that you love, you could be doing those same things professionally and not starting now at 30. However, Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have been mature enough when I was younger to like take a more methodical, reasonable approach, you know, because there's just a lot unknowns. And I think now as an adult and having worked on a lot of ad campaigns and being in casting rooms, like I know that casting agent or casting directors like don't want you to come in and suck, right? Mm. Like when you're on the casting side, it makes your life easier. 
if an actor or actress comes in and is great because then you can close your books and you're done for the day. Mm -hmm. But when you've never thought about other people's perspective, you don't know that. And similarly with music, like nobody wants you to be bad at music. And so seeing my friend Drew, like he was on tour around the time I was sort of making these big decisions. He was on tour with Jay-Z and I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. Like you're touring with Jay-Z. And granted, it's not like it was his first tour. When we met, he was touring with Miguel and Alicia Keys. So like, it's not new to him, but that's wild. And so I kind of went like, okay, Lene, you need to learn how to have some respect for incrementalism. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really hard lesson because we perceive that people are just good at things without trying. And I don't think the media does us favors by portraying things that way. However, I understand it makes a better story, right? Like it's way more interesting to go like, wow, this person was just always talented and an anomaly. And sure, those people exist, but it doesn't make a good story to go like, oh yeah, this person was not that good. And then they chipped away at it slowly, but surely. And (laughs) Like sometimes people showed up to their shows, sometimes they didn't. And so all these factors culminated, including seeing also, I'm really close with my grandma and my dad has cared for her for a while now. And she has, I call it dementia light because she's not like fully dementia-y, but Mm -hmm. she definitely, you know, she needs somebody around. And I was like, you know what? My grandma's like my best friend. She's amazing. I'm closer with her than almost anybody else in my life. Now that I have the opportunity, the mindset, whatever, I would much rather move in with my grandma and my dad, take that sort of like humbling, right? Because in America, we're kind of raised like, oh, how embarrassing to be 30 and living with your family. Yeah, for sure. Which does us a disservice because I think it is really important to the family unit and to community and also to your own personal finances. And so I was like, who cares? Like, And what am I worried about if somebody that I'm interested in, if they judge me for like living with my family so I can help out my dad with my grandma and like be useful while saving money, then I don't really need to involve myself with them. And as like a sidebar, I also reflected on like the guys that I've been interested in who've been like living on someone's couch and like I didn't judge (laughs) them. Like why, why would, like what kind of person are they if they like can't respect my own decisions? So I did. So I moved back. I like packed up all my stuff, ended my lease, and I moved back. And I've been focusing on creative work. And my band released our first release. And we have released three songs now. And we got our first review and interview. Nice. And so it's all going like slowly but surely well. Acting is going well. I got cast for some stuff that that was supposed to be shooting in China, but then the pandemic happened. So that didn't. Mm. That has been postponed, mm-hmm. but I've really accepted being patient and respecting growth and learning to be vulnerable because I definitely have never been good at that. Yeah. Well, Lene, I feel like you shared so many things that really resonated and I just kind of want to point out a couple things. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm the first monologuing. <laughs> oh no, you make my life easier when I don't have to talk. So thank you. <laughs> But the thing I got from just that first decade, you know, our our 20s, right, when we feel like we need to prove ourselves professionally, it's like, I think when like the way you shared your life, I appreciate like your life maybe on paper and on the surface looked really glamorous. 
I think it's impressive. I was like, man, I didn't do that much in my twenties. I mean, I was working, you know, what, like, you know, it's like, well, the thing with, you know, the thing with running a social media agency is that I just did it from home, you know, like I didn't really like travel far, you know, and and I actually had a lot of pride in that. I loved that I could just work wherever I had my laptop and Wi-Fi. you know, like I was very, very proud of that. But, you know, I love that you really like share just that whole decade. Cause I I was genuinely curious. I was like, what have you been up to in the last decade? (laughs) And with that, I also love that you shared really the the flip side of that, like the aftermath or the, the effects of, you know, living a high pace life. And that's, you know, you dealing with depression and going through therapy and realizing that, you know, you were living on this fast track and you needed to slow down because your health was catching up with you. Your health was saying like, girl, you got to slow down, <laughs> you know? And so I appreciate you sharing that. And, and you alluded to this earlier is that, you know, at least with like social media and and the media and entertainment in general, like we only see the good side of things and like the milestones are only featured, but not like the day-to-day like sacrifice of, you know, you go to sleep crying and then you wake up like and really have to talk yourself to get out of bed. So I really appreciate you really covering, you know, that side, both sides of it of like, hey, this was a great life, but it also was this, you know, uphill battle. And as I was hearing your story, I was kind of curious. I was like, I was like, where is this headed to? And I like how you said, like, ultimately you want to get into acting and you want to, you know, you want to run your band, you want to do your band. And I like how in a way you were like, oh, if only I did that initially, like I would be so much further right now. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us tend to think that like when we realize we know what we want, we look back at our life and we think, man, like if only I knew what I knew now back then, like my life would be so different. But I think that's the journey of life is that you go through it, (laughs) not knowing half the time what you're doing or thinking you're doing the right thing, you know, to get to a place where like, you know what, that's actually not what I really want to do. And sometimes you have to do all the things that you don't like to realize what you actually like to do. And I feel like that's what your story has meant to me as you were sharing it. I like that a lot. And I, you know, to your point about kind of going the back and forth of like, I should have done this earlier. I think that what it's really taught me in having those moments, because certainly I've had those moments as a teenager and then I had them in my twenties. And I think what I've learned is to trust myself in what I initially think I want, because this has happened so many times throughout my life where my initial thought, I then end up later going like, why didn't I act on that? And I reflect why I didn't. And a lot of times it's because I just hadn't seen anyone else do it. Mm. And I didn't really see a path for that. Or I kind of had what I call like the lizard brain being like, nope, you have to do these other things. And so really giving yourself space to like, take a 10,000 foot view of like what you're doing and the grand scheme of things. And for me, what has been huge in that has been just listening to other people's stories. Like I listen, I think at sort of the start, I mean, who knows where depression like really starts, right? But where I can identify that I was really not doing okay. And even where I identify that I didn't really address it until probably a year and a half to two years later. Like I really let it get bad before Mm. I started going like, oh, this is, yeah, this is extreme. Was that I was so tapped out that I would go on long walks and just listen to podcasts because it was like having a friend without having to put out the energy, without having to like entertain somebody, having something to talk about, worrying that you're talking about yourself too much. And 
So I started, like, I will say Aisha Tyler's Girl on Guy podcast was huge for me. I still pay the $50 a year on Libsyn to have access to that podcast because it's so good. Like she has mm. really incredible conversations with Marianne Jean-Baptiste and Viola Davis that definitely changed my life. And then she has one with Tim Ferriss and then Tim Ferriss has a conversation with Debbie Millman. And I'll say that like those four or five conversations really helped me give myself permission to feel and to go to therapy. And, and you mentioned your notes and I did want to add because I know a lot of people, a lot of people want to go to therapy and have a hard time starting, but then a lot of us are in therapy and wonder how we can get more out of it. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I only bring up because I've had a lot of friends be like, you should write a blog about this. And then I haven't, but <laughs> I know exactly. Here's the exclusive everyone. <laughs> yeah, it, it totally. I'm like, the, the welcome to my to-do list. <laughs> I go to my therapist, I like take notes about my like negative thoughts and weird questions about my life and stuff like that. And I take notes between therapy appointments and I put them like in my phone so that I don't lose the notebook because I, Mm. it's very likely that I will do that or just forget it. And I literally write in every note, like for therapist. And then when I go to therapy, I go, okay, let me kick this off by just running you through everything. And sometimes I'll go through stuff and be like, well, not worried about that anymore. I'm fine on that. We can move on to subjects. But I think it really, it helps you take a more structured approach to your therapy because I have a tendency that if I wake up in a good mood, I have a tendency to go like, I'm always happy. What are you talking about? Right, right. And then if I wake up depressed, I'm like, nope, I've always been depressed, like had suicidal thoughts at four years old. When have I ever been happy? You know, Mm -hmm. so I think it's important to hold yourself accountable. And I'm weird. I do that even like when my ex and I were breaking up, he would send some mean stuff and I would screenshot it and he would send some nice stuff and I would screenshot it. So whenever (laughs) I felt like, how could I have ever thought we were in love? I could see the nice stuff. Right. And then whenever I thought like, we should get back together. We're so perfect for each other. I could see the mean stuff and go like, oh yeah, we were really building up resentment. Like why would I wish that upon either of us? Yeah. So I think it's important to know yourself and like hold yourself accountable and also just get the most bang for your buck when it comes to therapy. Like I'm not paying $165 an hour for me to like wonder why I'm showing up. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. I was just thinking, cause my husband and I this year started going through couples counseling okay. and it was funny cause he was like, we started it up again and he was like, why are we going back? We don't have any problems. I was like, exactly. That's why we go. So we don't have any problems. <laughs> yeah. But the part of that too is a, uh, one thing I did also was I would take notes because I think when you show up, it's kind of like, no, we're fine. You know, we had a good day today, therefore. But it's like those notes are a good reminder to be like, oh, this is why I wanted to get into therapy because, or wanted to get back into it again, because it's like we were having this issue and we didn't know how to address it on the spot. And so we need to talk to the therapist and discuss like, how do we bridge the gap? How do we, you know, what verbiage do we need to be on the same page with things? And so I think it's really smart on your end. I don't know how everyone else does their therapy, but I think that is a great way to be more intentional about something that you're paying so much for anyway. So (laughs) well, and I I take notes also, and my therapist doesn't know this because, and I probably should ask, like, it's probably very messed up. I didn't ask but I leave my voice recorder on and I record our sessions so that Mm. I can go back and hear anything I might've missed in my notes or like reflect on some stuff. Yeah. And I've actually found naturopathy more helpful because it is a holistic look at like your body and mental health and just sort of stuff. What's the word? Is it epidemiology? Like, or epigenetic? I have no idea. Whatever it is where it's like, (laughs) 
trauma that's passed down, right? So if you're, mm. your mom was like in my case, my mom's family like was basically trying to not have us involved in the family because she got pregnant before she was married. So of course she was very stressed out when Mm -hmm. I was born and throughout her pregnancy with me and she didn't know what she was going to do. She was like working at Mervyn's making like $23,000 a year. Mm. So, you know, that really affects you. And even if I mean, I guess some people don't believe in it, but it's also like coded into our genetics and you can, I mean, it's a big conversation that I'm really glad has come up, especially with like the black community in America of Mm -hmm. like genetic trauma and how like pass down trauma and how that affects you as a person. Mm -hmm. So I think that examining the complete picture of your health is really, really important. And I like therapy because it is helpful with some stuff, but I've found that naturopathy has been equally, if not more therapeutic in like digging deeper and also noticing stuff within the body and doing energy work and stuff like that. Yeah, I think the important thing is to understand that mental health is important and it's just as important as our physical health and that we need to make it a priority. And so I really appreciate you delving more into that and explaining thoroughly, you know, what you do. And I mean, I'd like to believe that nowadays mental health is kind of, it's like trendy. Like people will be like, oh yeah, my therapist. But like even five years ago, it wasn't, it it was kind of like hush, hush, like, oh yeah, I have a, have a therapist. Like don't tell anyone. But now it's like, oh, my therapist. (laughs) And when we're also new to it, how are any of us, unless we're open about it, how are any of us supposed to know how to get the most out of it? Because It's, of course, you can go to therapy, just like we can all go to a workout class, but you can also just not get that much out of it. And and you don't know that, like, you don't know what you don't know. And so I think that sharing those sort of like tips, and maybe they don't work for some people, and that's fine, right? Like, maybe Mm -hmm. some people aren't, like, got nothing from a naturopath, and it could have been the naturopath, could have just not been your jam. Mm-hmm. But I think the more that we open up to possibilities and like ways to problem solve in our own lives and recognizing that our mental health isn't separate from our physical health, like it's just our health. It's all the same yeah, thing. Yeah, there you go. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. It's not this health. It's not that health. It's just health, period. Right, exactly. Because I don't know a single, like you're not going to be, like you can be super fit and still depressed. Like that can <laughs> still exist. And then you're still not healthy, right? Like you it's could true. still have bad blood pressure because you're stressed out all the time. But yeah, yeah, sure. I think it is really, and that's, I mean, that is one of the reasons why I started my podcast was because I think it's important to just have conversations with people mm-hmm. about what they do and how they do it and how they feel and like how they do other things. Because, you know, we'll talk about, like you could say, Jen's a marketer right? But like Mm -hmm. that doesn't capture who you are as a person or how you, your job and your relationship with your husband and also your guys' business like work together. And so I think it's really important that people share that stuff because it humanizes success and it also gives us different ways and frameworks to think of our own problems and how we see the world. Mm. I really love how you said humanizing success because I think when we realize that, you know, success is not this overnight thing. And you mentioned this a little earlier, you know, we can give ourselves a little more grace and we can trust our gut. We can trust, you know, what is pulling inside of us to do certain things and kind of go from there. You know, I think that's a beautiful way to describe it, humanizing success. I haven't heard anyone say it that way. So I feel like I want to say it a lot because it's like humanizing success. But yeah, it's beautiful. And I agree with you having 
conversations. And this is why I love podcasting or why I've really obsessed about it in the last year because I just get to have so many different conversations with so many different people. And at the end of the day, it's really validating for me. And I come to find that it's very validating for other people. So it's, you know, it's a win-win situation where it's like, it's very therapeutic (laughs) for me to do it. And it also serves other people. So I'm just very fortunate. And I think especially right now uh, that people have a lot of time, you know, given current events and at the time of this recording, I think people are taking the time to slow down and listen, like not just to others and and learn from others, but most of all, listen to themselves and really ask themselves the question of, is this what I really want to do? And yeah, am I living the life that I really want to live? Can I give myself a little more slack? Should I seek out therapy, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I'm seeing it a lot and I just hope that like more and more people do it. I'm like, do not... I really hope people learn from this moment. Yeah. And that's not just a moment, you know, that's the other thing where I'm like, let this not just be like a blip on your radar of like self and human awareness. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And even if it is like life is going to get back at you anyway and remind you yeah, <laughs> to, to slow down, to be, you know, be present and give yourself a little grace. Cause you know, that, that's a good thing about life. I think it always finds a way to humble us. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Well, Lene, I, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that 10 plus years later, I had this amazing conversation with you today and I learned a lot just listening to your story. And I'm glad that you did me the favor of talking for the first 30 minutes so that I could just, you know, just be here. <laughs> so thank you for that. For people that really resonated with you and want to connect with you and learn more about you, how can they do that? How can they find you online? Well, first of all, thank you. This was very fun. I had a good time. Um, yeah, good. <laughs> so I am at Lene Cook across all social media, which is just, I'll spell it out. It's L-Y-N-A-E Cook. And you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. I will say that my Twitter is like probably the more fun and educational place to follow me. My Instagram is like art stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. less marketing, more art. And then I will, I don't know, I feel like our podcasts have some solid Venn diagram crossover so that, you know, certainly my listeners would enjoy yours as well and, and vice versa. So if you feel like, you know, listening to that, it's hashtag BTS podcast, which, and the BTS is for behind the scenes. Sadly, mm-hmm. it's not dedicated to the K-pop group. It would be great <laughs> if it was. <laughs> so, <laughs> Just to clarify, y'all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have actually talked to a few friends in music about getting one of their like managers or agents on the podcast to just talk about BTS because I think it'd be a very fun cross-pollination. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I talk to people about the behind the scenes of what they do and how they do it and how that you know plays in with their personal life. So... I love it. It sounds like we both are trying to humanize success as you (laughs) eloquently had said it. And if we could do more of that, we can really normalize it. And and ultimately, that's what I hope to accomplish, you know, on my end is to normalize that we're human and we're going to make mistakes and it's okay to trust your gut. It's okay to be yourself and the world will adjust to you and what you really want to do and accomplish. Awesome. Well, Lene, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Likewise. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good day, Jen. Yes. Yeah. And to our listeners, just thank you all so much for listening in. We hope that you listen in just enough to say, hey, I needed this. And you end up applying this into your life one way or the other. So with that said, we look forward to speaking with you in the next show. Tune in next time. <laughs>